0: I hope you're all having a wonderful week. Uh, Apologies again for no episode last week. It was hectic. It kind of got ahead of me and I wasn't able to get anything ready for you. But today, everything is changing. So today, we are covering The Black Cauldron, which I'm very excited for. Uh, I legitimately really liked it. I do have a couple notes, but it really isn't so much at fault of the... film as a whole I think it was more just on the production side of things but I'll get to that uh later on uh but for now we're just going to go ahead and jump right into some Disney headlines uh so this first headline uh that I'm gonna touch on is in regards to uh was a thing called uh, Disney Upfront which I think is um I think it was like a uh, uh like a presentation to advertisers uh looks like it was based in New York City uh, the first headline has to do with our dear friend and Marvel God Kevin Feige, uh, who did a bit of a presentation for Disney Plus, like MCU projects, uh, and uh, in in such as that, uh, Kevin Feige was presenting a few things. Uh, firstly, confirmed that of course they're teasing Secret Invasion. Uh, that looks like it's probably going to start getting. Um, getting on the road fairly soon. Uh, Loki season two has been confirmed and is going into production in the coming weeks. So that's very exciting with the entire cast returning. uh, Apparently Kate Feige also revealed that Loki is the most viewed Marvel studio series on Disney plus so far, uh, which is kind of fun. Uh, Interesting considering that personally WandaVision is my favorite. Um, But Loki, I also really liked, I actually was thinking about rewatching it recently. Uh, but of course, I think the big thing is that they revealed a wonderful, uh, the premiere date, as well as the promo for She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, which is a name that I fucking love. Uh, really excited for She-Hulk. It's going to be very fun to see uh, Jennifer Walters on, on the screen, even though it's a small screen, but hopefully later on in the big screen, we'll see uh they released a trailer for it the trailer looks really fun of course it features uh jennifer walters and of course it features uh professor hulk which i'm really stoked for because quite frankly professor hulk is my favorite version of the hulk uh he's super hot anyway uh uh from what i gather from the trailer it looks like uh there's been um a special branch of like lawyers or something that's exclusively designated for uh superheroes and supervillains and that sort of thing and jennifer walters is going to be part of it most likely because she is cousin to bruce banner uh which is something of course that they mentioned and of course they can't not mention it right which is really cool uh and so she's gonna be part of that uh she gets the powers of the hulk uh in the comics it has to do with a blood transfusion uh, wondering if they're gonna keep that same quote-unquote origin story. We'll see. Uh, but yeah. So we've so we've got clips of Professor Hulk helping Jennifer to harness her powers. Um, there's clips of Emil Blonsky from uh the Incredible Hulk movie, uh the one with Eric Bana, uh which is considered part of the MCU. So Abomination's gonna be back. We'll see why. We already saw uh clips of Abomination. Uh, back during uh, Shang-Chi so that'll be interesting so my guess is that uh, is that She-Hulk will take place before Shang-Chi and maybe this will kind of be like how uh, Abomination kind of gets rehabbed and why he works why he goes with Wong to do like fights and stuff I don't know we'll see I'm sure like questions will be answered either way I'm very excited Uh, I'll link uh, I'll, I'll post a link to the trailer in the show notes so that y'all can take a look at it yourselves. It's very fun. All right. Now, uh, talking more about this upfront thing, uh, Bob Chapek, you know, him, opened his mouth and said some words. Uh, It's really not that bad. I just don't like Bob Chapek. Uh, Basically, he just kind of went up there and was like telling hundreds of advertisers that that the Disney company is quote, the most powerful force in the industry and the most enduring and beloved name in entertainment. And uh, the thing is is that he's not wrong, but I feel like the way that he went about it was just very braggy more m- more than anything else. Um, this is uh, fairly poignant considering that Disney Plus is apparently going to be adding a cheaper ad-supported tier. Uh, which I think, I don't think it's a bad idea, but I also don't think it's the best idea. I almost wonder whether or not they shouldn't just do like a free option. Well, no, cause like, I don't know. Well, no, they could probably do like a free option and have it be ad supported so that people just like, if they, if they want the ad free, like kind of like a kind of like what youtube does youtube does its standard free version you can go on and you get the ads or if you subscribe to youtube premium you don't get the ads right so kind of in that vein i i i feel like they could have done that as opposed to strictly uh putting it or only having two pay options we'll see what the difference is in price um so, yeah, I mean, like, I've been paying for the standard Disney Plus, you know, the annual uh, fee for last two years, and honestly, I'm fine with it. It's fine. Not a big deal. But yeah, so that's kind of the big thing. Uh, those are kind of the big headlines. I'm going to save a couple of these other headlines for the next episode because both... Today, Both this episode and the next episode, which is uh, The Great Mouse Detective, I'm releasing in the same week. So it's going to be the same, uh, the same news. So I'm just going to save these uh, other headlines uh, for that. So we're just going to go ahead and jump right into The Black Cauldron. So here's my, first off, top of the show, my opinions on this film. I like it. I think it's super fun and I think it's I I think it's ahead of its time personally. I say that because it's a very classic fantasy film. You have your classic examples of the fighter, the spellcaster, the bard. You have the big bad, you know, and you have like the like the animal sidekick, a pseudo animal sidekick uh trying to find, you know, this enchanted item, right? It feels, it's so very fantasy. And I think the problem is that this was during a time, like, because the the film came out in 1985, right? And when I was watching it, I got hardcore D&D vibes from it and i think part of this part of the problem of this film is that it was released during a time when dungeons and dragons and kind of like that fantasy realm was under heavy scrutiny right it was during a time when you know if if you were at all working or doing anything dungeons and dragons or anything fantasy it was evil and bad and devil worship and blah, blah, blah you know that whole thing the 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 satanic panic basically I do firmly believe that that's part of what made this film such a commercial failure. I also think, personally, I also think this movie is too short. I do think it's too short. I think it could have stood, I think it could have been longer as a way to flesh out some of the characters and some of the character choices. So, let's get into it. Okay, so we start off... Uh, with kind of like a um like a prologue type thing in which there's a voiceover and it tells us about the black cauldron itself and how the black cauldron can has these magical abilities. It's a, like a mystical relic that has the ability to like raise the dead and create an undead army. Now, the horned king, who is the big bad of this film, his whole desire is he wants to acquire the black cauldron so that he can. Uh, create an undead an army of the undead, uh, known as the Cauldron Born, as he calls them, uh, and in order to win this war that is happening in this fantastical land of Prydain. So this war has been going on for a while, and we start the film by meeting Taran, who's just a young boy, uh, who lives with this enchanter known as known as Dalbin, and. Uh, and Taryn is kind of in charge of taking care of this pig that they, that they own named Henwin. Now, the thing about Henwin is that Henwin has oracular powers. Uh, Dalbin knows about this, but Taryn doesn't. Taryn just thinks that Henwin just a normal pig. It's a normal, adorable, cute little piggy. Now, this is kind of where we learn a little bit about Terran, in that Taryn fantasizes and dreams about being a great warrior. That's his whole deal. And he feels that his his destiny lies beyond the walls of this small farm. Eventually, uh, Henwin starts showcasing her powers. and then we learn that the uh, we learn that the Horn King knows about Henwin and wants to find and capture Henwin in order for Henwin to tell him where the Black cauldron lives, where it resides. So, Dolben basically charges Terran with taking Henwin away from the farm to another place where Henwin can be safe. Unfortunately, Terran uh, begins to daydream and begins to just kind of get in his own head and loses track of Henwin, who becomes captured by the Horn King's uh some of the Horn Kings dragon-like creatures. They're very, they're, like, smaller dragons. Uh, uh, like, if you've ever played Dungeons & Dragons, they're more akin to, like, wyverns, like, just smaller versions of dragons. Anyway, so while Taren rushes away to try and find Henwin, uh, he is met by this creature named Gurgi, who is kind of, like, this weird... Uh, half dog half boy type thing we don't know what he is anyway Taran eventually gets super frustrated by Gurgi because of his uh just desire for an apple that that uh, Taran has and his cowardice and so Taran just leaves him behind and goes to the castle to try and help Henwyn. so when he goes to the castle we see that uh he sneaks in and he's hiding in the rafters and we see that uh this weird like uh, goblin-type creature kind of uh, brings Henwin to the Horn King and tries to force her to present to use her oracular powers. Taryn makes himself known because he's a doofus and, like, basically agrees to let them find... to make the powers work and show where the Black Cauldron is. Uh, but eventually they escape uh like Taryn, like takes henwin rushes runs away with her unfortunately they get captured anyway and then Taryn gets thrown in the dungeon whereas henwin kind of is kept uh is kept elsewhere so while Taryn is in the dungeon he finds another uh captive by the name of princess ilanwi now ilanwi is kind of a magic user. I, I say she's a magic user, but she's the, but that's because she's the only one that actually showcases any magical ability. And she has uh, she's using like these these balls of light to kind of light her way and she sneaks into the dungeon because she's trying to find her way out through the catacombs underneath the castle. So Ilanwi frees Terran and uh, the two of them kind of sneak out to try and find their way to uh to to recapture Henwin and escape. So, uh, on the, while they're kind of sneaking through the catacombs, they eventually find themselves in an ancient burial chamber that belongs to the old king of the castle that the Horned King uh, presumably um, over overthrew, and so that's why he has the castle. Now. They look, at the, they, they look at the tomb, and Taren and finds this beautiful sword that is kept within the, uh, the arms of the dead king. And so we then find out that the king's sword is actually a magic sword. Uh, it's very highly effective against the baddies. Uh, and so they then discover a third prisoner, a bard. By the name of uh, Fluter Flam. Yes, that is his real name. <laughs> and so they all end up escaping uh from the castle. Uh it's a fun little like it's a fun running away and escaping kind of sequence. Uh Terran's sword seemingly showcases like it has a mind of its own, like it like it's it's enchanted to actively try and fight, like and protect its wielder or something like that. So it seems very fun. Anyway. So they all escape. Uh, and then when the Horn King finds out that Terran has escaped, uh, the Horn King orders his little goblin guy, Creeper, to send these dragons, these little dragons, to follow and try and capture Terran along with his friends. Now, the while they're running away, oh, hold on. Henwen did escape. That's right. So Terran had actually had Henwin in his arms uh, during the first attempt to escape and then like draw, like just pushed her off the edge of the castle and she like lands in the moat to try and escape. So that so yeah, so so the horn king does not have Henwin, which is good. So the trio of friends run away and they kind of regroup and then they end up following Henwin's trail because they they discover Gurgi or Gurgi discovers them. And then uh, Taryn uh, tries to ask Gurgi if he's seen Henwin. Gergi's like, "Yes, I have." And so they go, they go away to try and find the, to follow the tracks. They find themselves in this like pond that has these rocks, and so they run to they or Gergi jumps along to the rocks, and then they discover that one of the rocks is actually a hidden entrance to this cavern in which the fair folk live, which are kind of like. Uh, like fairies. They're basically fairies, is what they are. So they discover the land where the fairies are living and they tell them what they want. And ultimately, they decide to go hunt for the Black Cauldron themselves and destroy it. Because if they can destroy it, then the Horned King can no longer achieve his plans. So, upon this decision, they leave Henwyn under the protection of the fairies. And then the king of the fairies, uh, King uh, Idaleg, Idaleg, I think is the name is. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yes, tells him where the cauldron is, and then, th- and then Ailani, Gergi, Fluter, and Taren all agree to go find the cauldron, and Idaleg Idle uh, lets his man Doli, like his kind of like right hand man or whatever. Uh, Guides them to the marshes of Morva, which is where the uh, cauldron resides. So, they go there. Uh, they go to this marshland area and they find like this hut. And we discover that the hut is being is is occupied by three witches. Now, these witches, uh, Ordu, Orgok, and Orwin, are all. Kind of guarding, pseudo-guarding the the cauldron. Uh, they strike a deal. Uh, Terran agrees to trade his uh, his sword for the black cauldron. So they agree, and then a bunch of magic happens. the The tree is, the, disappears, and the witches disappear. And then out from the ground erupts the black cauldron. Now. That's when kind of like the twist happens is that they just is that um uh, Ordu tells them basically that the cauldron cannot be destroyed. And so they're kind of fucked. And so now they're just kind of stuck there. They camp overnight to try and figure out what to do. Unfortunately, they get discovered and then the dragons take them away and they take the cauldron with them. So now the king has the cauldron and everybody's kind of ch- shackled except for Gurgi Gor- because he was hiding. So everybody watches as the Horned King basically takes one of these, like, skeletal warriors, puts it into the cauldron, and then uses the magic to revive this skeleton. And then this mist kind of appears out of the cauldron and begins to enchant a bunch of the other skeletons to raise them. And now the Horned King has his undead army. So this army is out. It's marching along. And the Horn King feel, believes that he is that he has succeeded. Until Gurgi, who decides to be brave and not leave his friends behind, actually snuck into the castle to rescue everybody. So he undoes the shackles of Terran, Ilanwi, and Fluter, and Terran decides to take it upon himself to jump into the cauldron to destroy it, because that's the only way to destroy the cauldron is if a living person actively sacrifices themselves into the cauldron in order to destroy it to kind of reverse its magic uh, to render its magic inert. So Terran feeling bad for trading his sword for a cauldron they can't do anything with and just feeling bad as a warrior he doesn't he, he doesn't consider himself a warrior at all he feels bad and so he feels it's his responsibility to destroy the cauldron itself so. He's up on the beam. He's ready to go. And Gergi is like, no, 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 Master. I'll do it. I'll do it. And so instead, Gergi jumps in. And this causes the cauldron to, of course, stop its magic and begin to, like... It does this weird thing where it, like, starts to suck everything in. I don't know. I think it's because it, like, sucks in all of the skeletons that, like, were... Uh, triggered by the magic or something. But basically like this whole undead army just starts just stops walking and crumples. And uh so the Horn King goes down to see what the hell's going on. He sees he sees Terran, he sees everybody, and uh Ilanwi and Fluter are trying to escape. Taren is trying to do something and then the Horn King catches him and like tries to throw him in, but then he gets then the Horn King gets caught in uh gets caught in like the suction and then we watch the Horn King basically gets like disintegrated and dies. It's very, it's very upsetting. <clears throat> and so once that happens, uh, everything kind of stops. It, the The Horn King gets sucked into the Tunnel of Fire, kills him, destroy, begins destroying the castle. And then the cauldron, or and then once the once the castle is like destroyed, all that's left is just like this open swamp water area. Everybody swims to the shore or I guess uh uh Terran Ilani Fluter survive and so does the little goblin guy, uh creeper, who is now very happy that his boss is dead because the boss didn't treat him very well. So there you go. <laughs> anyway, so once that happened, then uh the castle's destroyed, everything's destroyed, all that's left is just the cauldron. That is now just a cauldron. It's power is inert, it is no longer a threat. However, the three the trio of friends all begin to cry because they feel that they've lost their friend. They've lost Gergi, who sacrificed himself. And then uh, the three witches appear because now they want to take the black cauldron back. However, uh, they ask, or Taryn asks the witches to see if they can revive Gergi uh or no 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 sorry what happens is fluter is like hold on y'all ain't getting the cauldron back yet we need to make a trade and so he uh, he's willing to trade the cauldron for something and then uh the witches are like fine so they're going to give back the sword but then Terran's like no no i don't want the sword i want my friend back so they challenge the witches to basically revive Gurgi. and the witches are like no we can't do that and then fluter is like um whatever y'all clearly aren't as powerful as you say you are but basically like taunts them <laughs> into like uh or like basically taunts them into reviving Gurgy, which they successfully do and so everyone's happy taryn and nylon we kiss and then the four friends the four friends journey back to Cair dalbin which is where dalbin and and the fairy Dolly uh are uh hanging out because they have henwin because henwin uh was returned back to care dalbin which is which is the name of the farm and so dalbin Dolly, and henwin are all hanging out they they're watching this vision that henwin has produced uh and dalbin basically praises terran for his heroism so that's the story that's the black cauldron now as i mentioned before uh I do think part of the problem so I do think part of the the issue with this movie is that it came out during a time when fantasy and stuff like that was not exactly well praised. <laughs> so with a budget of 44 million dollars it only made 21.3. So it is it's considered a a box office flop. But personally I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was super fun. But again, I do think it moved too fast. Like there are like there are choices in the movie that I didn't that I don't think made sense. Like, for example, with Taryn giving up his sword, there's a line, he's like, this is my prized possession. And I'm like, you've had that sword for, like, all of four hours. Hell, let's say a day. And it's like, it doesn't make sense to me why Taryn would be so attached to the sword, even though he's hardly used it. And so I feel like this film could have benefited from being extended just to kind of showcase a little bit more action with the sword, to somehow build... Uh, Terran's attachment to the sword and then the whole like Terran and Ilan relationship thing it it came out of nowhere like there is no build-up to how or why they would even be remotely into each other so again extending the story and having that be a little bit more um, the Horn King I think is pretty good as a villain like I think they did a pretty okay job of like establishing him as like this scary monster kind of thing he's effectively a Demi Lich is what he is he's basically a Demi Lich <laughs> uh and yeah i i do think Gergi's sacrifice did mean something i it definitely affected me and i do think that they did an okay job of being like yeah like here's Gergi, you know being super cowardly but then decides to you know sacrifice himself for his friends and stuff i do think that was fine um i just think they missed an opportunity in having fluter actually be a bard and like sing some songs and stuff like that i think that would have been great Um, but yeah, like my only real criticism of this movie is that it just, I just felt too short. I feel like it could have been longer. Uh, it's also the first Disney animated film to receive a PG rating. Uh, it's also the first Disney animated film to feature computer generated imagery. So some big things coming in, which I think is really great. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, yeah, it, it, was considered a commercial failure and disney didn't release it on film or didn't release it on home media until like 1998 because of that which is really which kind of sucks yeah uh in terms of the voice cast we don't really have many people like that i can like name drop the only one that i can is john hurt who played the horned king uh, Sir John Hurt, you've, you know who this guy is. Like, once you see a picture of him, you know him. He played Ollivander in the Harry Potter movies. Uh, he was in Hellboy. He was He's the war doctor in Doctor Who. Like, he, he's a very, very well-known actor. People know this guy. Uh, some, uh, what's it called? Uh, some little bit of production, behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, animators John Musker and Ron Clements. Uh, were removed from the project for citing creative differences, and so instead began developing the Great Mouse Detective, uh, which is a nice little segue to our next episode, which will be it should be next. Um, and yeah, like there was there was some discussion as to how some of these characters would look. Uh, the they wanted to go for like a more classic style approach, like akin to Sleeping Beauty. Uh, and so, like, that's why when you look at, like, Ailanui, uh she's very, she's not necessarily modeled after Princess Aurora, but you can see the, um, what's it called? The, uh, the inspiration. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> the film definitely suffered from, I think, uh, too much of, too much uncertainty as to what kind of movie I think they were trying to put out. Apparently, uh, during a test screening, uh, during the cauldron born sequence, uh, it proved to be too intense because some kids in the audience were, like, freaking out. They were running out of the theater and blah, blah, blah. And so Jeffrey Katzenberg, uh, who was the chairman at the time, uh, decided to ask for a bunch of cuts in the movie to make it less scary. Um, But I think the producer... Uh, Joe Hale was objecting to Katzenberg and so Katzenberg was like fuck it I'll do it myself basically brought him to an edit bay and edited it himself so yeah and so I think that's why like there's parts of the movie that seem a little bit disjointed perhaps um, like I don't think the editing was uh, was great which is unfortunate but you know what can you do I mean I, I do think that this this film is definitely ahead of its time in that if this movie were to come out like now or even within like like let you know what let's even push it let's say let's if this movie were to be done properly and released in like the 2000s i think it would have done so much better because it just th- that's just kind of the thing is that i do think this movie was ahead of its time which is a shame because it's a fun movie it's super fun uh and i mean especially now with like thing with like fantasy being so prominent this now this is a movie that they could easily make do a remake of And I think it would do super well because it's very much uh, what today is what today is asking. Like there's so much fantasy and that kind of stuff going on right now with like you have like the the new Lord of the Rings series happening. You have uh, the Wheel of Time happening like stuff with like uh, like Dungeons and Dragons is being is becoming such a much more prominent thing now. Like fantasy is definitely coming back into the zeitgeist. And so I think this movie could definitely benefit from having a remake. I would be super okay with this movie being redone. Absolutely. And yeah, so that's the black cauldron. Uh, there, funnily, enough, there is a soundtrack available. It was released in 1985. I don't think it was very successful, but there you go. That's <laughs> very funny. Um, yeah. Uh, Tim Burton was working on this project. Uh, just a bit just another little name drop there uh but i don't think a lot of his designs were uh accepted for this film which is probably just more and more shit like that is probably what led tim to be like you know what i'm just gonna go ahead and leave and then i'm gonna do my own thing so yeah so this the black cauldron Like seriously, y'all like watch this movie. It's very fun, especially if you like fantasy stuff. It's very cool. I super dug it. I really enjoyed it. But again, I got such a hardcore D and D vibe from it, which again is probably why it didn't do so well. But anyway, so yeah, Black Cauldron. It's great. I would I would give this movie like a seven, like a seven out of ten. It could have been it could have done better if it was just fleshed out a little more. But again, I don't necessarily think that's at fault of the movie. It's definitely at fault of the well it's at fault of like the writers and stuff like that. And probably uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg. Um, But yeah, like if they took this movie and fleshed it out a little bit more, it would be so much better. And yeah, I really liked it. You should too. You should watch it. It's very fun. All right. Well, that's that. That's the black cauldron. I hope you all uh, uh, enjoyed it and I'm excited for next week or next episode, not next week, next episode, which is the great mouse detective, which is very fun. Uh it <laughs> rewatching that movie definitely made me want want to rewatch like Sherlock. Uh which is also just very fun. So yeah, uh next time next episode is The Great Mouse Detective. I hope you will enjoy that movie too and I'll talk to y'all then. Make sure you eat your food, drink your water, take your meds, do all that good stuff. And we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>